Well, as you are returning to your seats, I want to give the children at this time an opportunity to go to Kids Connection. Now, Well, as, as we prepare for our, our time in God's Word this morning, man, it, is it just a little cold in here today? <laughs> no, no. Dwight, are you ever cold? <laughs> oh, would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness that... You are a father who who loves your children and direct us in the way that we should go for our own happiness. So I pray that as, as your word gets opened this morning, I would ask that this would be a blessing from you, a gift that you give to us. Speak through me that your people would be encouraged, Father. And that, that Jesus would receive the glory that's due to him as our great king. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, we're going to start in verses 7 through 12. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, there are Bibles uh, in the chairs in front of you, and you can turn to page 977 and follow along with us. Page 977. Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 12. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So as, as we're going through the letter to the Ephesians, I want us to remember the, the overarching theme of the letter uh, of the Ephesians. You may remember it. If you don't remember it, you have another chance here to, to get it. You'll, you'll be right up to speed with us, is that the whole message of the letter to the Ephesians is the grace of God shapes the people of God to walk with God. And as, as Paul is addressing the Ephesian believers right here at the beginning of chapter 4, he says to them in verse 1, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've, been re- you, to which you've received. That these believers, all believers, have been called by God, that we have been adopted into his family, we have been released, freed 
from the power of sin and that, that we now are the inheritance of God himself. And how is it now that we walk worthy of that calling? Walking not to earn anything from God, not to, walking to prove anything to God, walking because we have received his grace. And so, so God's grace then as it, as it overflows from Jesus to us, one of the effects that it has first of all in our walk is that we walk unified with other believers. Now, this is the, the first part of chapter four is this is what it means to walk worthy of our calling is that we walk in unity. And the, this is a very compelling witness to the gospel. The ability of Christians to maintain the unity that the Spirit has created. That we are at a time in our country's history where there is a striking lack of unity within our country. There is just division so many places. And for for years, uh, there was secular voices within our culture that said the problem uh, in American culture is that religion is public. If religion was just private, if we could remove it from the political scene, if we could remove it from the public square, then there would be more unity. There would be less division. But writing in, it, in an article for The Atlantic, Peter Beinart said, we have seen in the last couple of years that seculars have got what they wanted that religion has been silenced time and time again. And yet instead of unity, we're seeing division. And this is, notice what he says. He, He says, as Americans have left organized religion, they haven't stopped viewing politics as a struggle between us and them. Many have come to define us and them in even more primal and irreconcilable ways. Notice what he's saying here is that when, when we got religion out, as, as Americans left religion, what happened is they became more primal in the way that's, I mean, that's just a nice way of saying they become more animalistic in the way that they responded to each other. And, and they're, instead of being able to, to talk better to each other, respond better to each other, the division was more irreconcilable. And yet... This is the exact opposite of the transformation that the gospel brings. That that God intends for the church to counter the primal responses that we see uh, that that are being described in the culture. And to to counter the the, uh, irreconcilable differences in the culture. I mean, look with me here in, in in verse 13. Paul says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. That Paul is saying that the gospel causes us not to be primal, it causes us to grow up. And one of the ways that we grow up as a church, one of the ways that we grow up in unity is that we experience the diversity of the gifts that God has given to the church. That the way that God creates unity in the church is to distribute a diversity of gifts. If you look with me at verse 7, it says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
And then in verse 8, when Christ ascends, he gives gifts to people. And so I, I want us to spend some time, we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at what are the gifts that God has given to the church and how is the unity of the church then built up by the diversity of gifts that God has given. So this morning, I actually put three questions in your outline, but uh, looking at at the time that we have together, we're just going to tackle the first question this morning. What is a spiritual gift? That God has has distributed a variety of of gifts as evidence of his grace. And that's why I've, I've even titled this part of Ephesians, Unwrapping the Gifts of Grace. God has graciously given gifts to his people. So what is a spiritual gift? You know, to, to use the, the term spiritual gifts may cause some people to think of these are now mystical things. That to talk about something being spiritual is to talk about something being mystical. What, what are the, these uh, mysterious uh, gifts that God has given to the church? But what I want us to think about it, when we think about spiritual gifts are these are gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. This is just what the Holy Spirit has given to people who are believers in Jesus Christ. But uh, I want us to, to start thinking about spiritual gifts by going all the way back to one of the very first places in Scripture where we actually have an example of somebody having a spiritual gift. And this goes back to uh, the time where the children of Israel are at the base of Mount Sinai. God has revealed to Moses the plan for the tabernacle. But how is it that the tabernacle is going to get built? God says to Moses in Exodus chapter 31 verses 1 to 5. The Lord said to Moses, see I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. So God is saying, Moses, I I picked out Bezalel to do this work of building the tabernacle. And notice that I've I've given him the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given to this man, and how is it going to be worked out? He's going to be really skilled at carving and and woodworking and and metalwork and and doing all this fine artistry. That it's the Spirit of God on Bezalel that now enables him to be able to build the tabernacle. A little bit later, in uh, Israel's history. The prophet Samuel comes to David and anoints him as king. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And as as Samuel uh, anoints David, it says that the Spirit of God rushed on David. As we look at what is the very next thing that David does, having the Spirit of God on him, the next thing that we see is he ministers to King Saul. And if you remember at at this point in in King Saul's life, the spirit of God has departed from him. And he's being plagued by an evil spirit. But what God does through David 
is that the David comes into Saul's presence and he plays on his harp or, or his lyre, depending on the translation, and the, and the evil spirit leaves Saul. So, so David is filled with the spirit, plays music, and ministers to King Saul. These are two examples in the Old Testament of people who use abilities that they had under the power of the Holy Spirit. But really, these are, are isolated cases. You go through the Old Testament and you, and you just see isolated instances like this and, and very specific people. What changes when we come to the New Testament is that the Holy Spirit is not just coming on isolated individuals for a period of time. is that the Holy Spirit comes on all who are believers in Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that this is displayed is through the giving of gifts. This is taught for us here in Ephesians chapter 4, but it goes into more detail. Paul goes into a lot more detail over in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. So I want us to take a minute and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are, vari- and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. You notice here, Paul talks about, <clears throat> he talks about gifts, he talks about service, and he talks about activities. And there's a whole variety of them. Paul seems to be using gifts, service, and activities interchangeably here. And the, the point that, that Paul is making is he is tying each one of these to the Godhead. N- notice that gifts, there's varieties of gifts, but verse 4, same spirit. Verse 5, varieties of service, but same Lord. Look in verse 6, varieties of activities, but same God. You see, the reference here to the Spirit, to the Lord, that's Jesus Christ, the Son. And then, same God, that's a reference to the Father. What Paul is is trying to to draw these Corinthians' attention to is that when you talk about spiritual gifts, you are talking about this variety that is flowing out of the unity of the Godhead. That there is a very God-centered focus to spiritual gifts. That they are to, to point back to the unity of God himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, every believer has a spiritual gift. This, there's, there's not a, another stage in your Christian life that you're going to come to later where you get a spiritual gift. To be a believer in Jesus Christ means that you have received a gift from the Holy Spirit, or, or possibly, probably, uh, more than one gift. Look with me at, at verse 7, where it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift. Verse 11, All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Again, 
When you receive Jesus as your Savior, you receive spiritual gift. Now, uh, we don't get to pick our gifts. We don't get to pick the things that we're gifted with. We receive what has sovereignly been determined by the Holy Spirit. He is the one who determines what gift or what gifts that each one of us are going to receive. So, if we want to understand what are these gifts, the New Testament talks about spiritual gifts in in four main places. And what I want to do is I I want to just show you each one of these places in Scripture. I'm going to be putting up on uh, the slides here just listing out these gifts so that you can just see them visually. Don't, you don't have to worry about, about memorizing them. You don't have to write them all down. We're actually going to be spending time looking more at these gifts. But, but to help us understand the big picture of what is a spiritual gift, I want to be able to just lay them all out for you that the New Testament describes here. So the first place we're going to look is Romans chapter 12 in verses 6 through 8. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So just breaking out, here is the gifts that Paul talks about here in Romans chapter 12. He talks about prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, and mercy. Then back in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives probably the the longest list that he gives. I want to read those for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 8 through 10 For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And then in verse 28 it says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. So in 1 Corinthians 12, here's how we see the list given here. We see wisdom and knowledge and faith and miracles and prophecy and discernment and tongues and interpretation, apostles, teachers, healing, helping, administrating. I'm struck even when I, when I look at that list, right down near the end, you have healing, which seems super amazing, and then just helping, which just seems incredibly common. All listed as spiritual gifts. The passage we started in, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Ephesians 4 lists, uh, the list is much shorter. Ephesians 4 Verse 11, it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So in Ephesians 4, we have apostle, prophet, evangelist. And then next week, I want to make a case for you that this is really just a single gift of of shepherd, teacher. 
But then there, there's one other place and the spiritual gifts are talked about, and that's 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as the one who serves by the strength God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I think we actually see a little bit of the, the personality difference between Peter and Paul right here. Notice, Paul just has like this really long list. And Peter just says, yeah, okay, there's like two things. There's people who speak, there's people who serve. Get after it. But we have an advantage here. In just a few minutes, we've been able to survey this is what uh, all of the New Testament teaches on spiritual gifts uh, as far as what the, the names of the different gifts are. But, but do you realize that at the time of the writing of these, these people didn't have the advantage of flipping over to Romans if they were in Corinth. That the people who were receiving Peter's letters didn't have the advantage uh, of flipping over to 1 Corinthians and looking at what Paul says there. That if you look at these lists, that they're all of, of varying lengths and not everything actually occurs on every list. So you have, have different audiences receiving different information. Some of it is complementary. None of it contradicts each other, but, but they don't all line up. And, and so this has led me to this conclusion, and, and I share this with uh, Wayne Grudem, actually, he was the one who taught it to me and, and many other authors, is that when we look at, at these scriptures, what it points out is that these lists are meant to be illustrations of what spiritual gifts look like. These are not meant to be an exhaustive list. There, there's not one super list of spiritual gifts that, that we can find anywhere in the Bible. Instead, here is the answer to our question of what is a spiritual gift? It's very simple. A spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. A spiritual gift is any ability that you have that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple of things that, that come to mind on this point is that, well, what makes the difference between a spiritual gift and a, and a natural ability? I think it's, we have to remember when we talk about uh, any abilities that we have, none of us has any ability that hasn't already been given to us by God. You don't, there's, there's nobody here that can raise their hand and say, yeah, I've got an ability that I mastered all by myself and, was, and I didn't get from God. If that person raises their hand, everybody else move back as lightning prepares to fall because what have we what do we have what do we have that we have not received so everything that we already have has been given to us by god now as as we looked at these these lists there were some things that were like but but those seem like they're really supernatural like like what about what about healing what about miracles what about prophecy that but remember that we can find other places in Scripture where 
where Satan himself is able to counterfeit the work of God. That these are, these are abilities that are, are in the world. Are they going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? Or are they going to be used to work counter to God and his purposes? Are they going to be used for selfish reasons? So here's what I want us to be thinking about when it comes to, to spiritual gifts. Every one of us have been given abilities by God. To be saved means these abilities are now empowered. Have the ability to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming on you may take what you already had some natural ability for and and he's going to use it. And we're going to look next week at what is the purpose how, how particularly, how do you know, how do you know if your ability is being empowered by the Holy Spirit? And, and the Bible is actually going to teach you this is how God empowers the abilities that he has. This is how God actually uses his spirit to use your gifts. And so how is it that, uh, that a gift is empowered, or is this, how is it an ability becomes a spiritual gift? It's when it's under the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, when you came to Christ, there, there are new abilities that, that you actually gained as part of, of being saved by God, and he wants to refine you and, and develop these gifts in you. Others of you are abilities that, that you already had, but, but God is going to empower those by his spirit because he has a purpose for you. What we want to remember when it comes to to spiritual gifts is is that God has, has poured out his kindness on us. And he has a purpose for the way that he has gifted each one of us. It's so that the unity of his spirit would be put on display. It's so that the unity of the church would be displayed. And I want to remind you of a, of a story. This is something that, one that, that you're probably very familiar with, but, but remi- I think it's a helpful reminder for all of us. Is that Jesus told a story about a master who distributed talents to his servants. To one servant, he gave five talents. To another servant, two talents. And to another servant, one talent. And then the master went away. And the servant with the five talents went out and and put those five talents to work. And the servant with two talents went out and put those two talents to work. And then the servant with one talent just buried it. And when the master came back, the servant with with the five talents said, "I, I put your five talents to work and look, here's five more. And the same with, with the person with two talents. He said, I put your two talents to work and, and look, here's two more. And the commendation that the master gives to both, to these two servants, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. You realize that, that that's why God has given you gifts. He wants to bring you into his joy. That God desires that you would maximize your joy in him. And he has given you gifts. He's given you abilities so that by the power of his spirit, you might know more of the joy of God.
And then there was the one servant, the one servant who buried his. He didn't do anything with it. And so he came back and he says, here's your one talent back. And here's the, he's the, the servant that is judged as a wicked servant. But, but what was it that, that defined him as being a wicked servant? It, it happened even before he buried the talent. He was a wicked servant because he doubted the goodness of his master. He didn't believe that his master was truly good. But you see, those of us who have come to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we have met our master as a good master, a master who gives gifts to increase our joy. If you're here this morning and you are, you are actively involved in, in ministry and in serving here in the church or, or serving other believers, you're, you're actively involved in, in giving of your time and, and your abilities to God. I, I want to encourage you that, that what you are doing for the Lord is not wasted. And if you're here this morning and, and you're on the sidelines, that, that you haven't taken the time to, to really understand how has God gifted me to be used by him, I, I want to encourage you to get in the game. That, that God has more of his joy to show you. Maybe, maybe you're one who has, you have served in the past and, and now you, you've, you've raised your hand and you said, I, I, I need to come out. And you, you've gone to the sidelines. I, I want to encourage you and say, now's the time to get back in. That as, as we press forward in unwrapping these gifts, my desire for you would you be that you would be strengthened, that you would have confidence that one day you too will hear the commendation of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to pray this morning for my brothers and sisters who are here. I want to thank you for the diversity of gifts that you've given to us as a church. I pray that your rich blessings would be used here to, to strengthen the bonds that we have as a church family. I pray for those that, that are serving, that you would strengthen them in their service and that through our study of the spiritual gifts that you would draw others in to your joy as they serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.